turn to Romans, Romans chapter 8. We have been sharing a series of messages for the Christmas time, and we have uh, titled this series, Do You Hear What I Hear? Do You Hear What I Hear? And uh, we've been taking some uh, familiar lyrics to some of the Christmas carols that we've grown up singing, and uh, we're kind of unpacking those themes and, and making messages out of them today. Um, today's title we actually sang uh, earlier this morning. Uh, this morning, I want to share on the wonders of his love. The wonders of his love. We sung about it all service long. We, uh, you, you will never find church, you will never find anything more consistent ever than the love of God for you. It never changes. It never changes. I'm going to elaborate on that a little bit more. But there is nothing you can do to cause God to love you less than he does right now. Isn't that great? Because sometimes we don't always get it right, do we? Sometimes we're not always at our best. Sometimes we're kind of at our worst, right? And God still loves us. But let me also say that there is nothing that you can do to make God love you more. And this is for those of us who think that we've got to earn God's love by doing stuff and by accomplishing things and doing great things. And, and somehow that's going to cause God to say, ooh, I love him way more than I love Fred. And if you're named Fred in here, I'm sorry. I, I'm not, I tried to pick a name that I didn't think was in here. Uh, God doesn't do that either. God's love is consistent. And, and, and the wonder of his love is just that. That his love for me remains constant. It remains the same, and it is the same for you today. The wonders of his love. I could not think of a better scripture for us to go to than Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 35. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 35. This passage of scripture is powerful. And I want to share that with you. As we enter now into the Christmas season, I want you to know that the one that we are celebrating this weekend, uh, who was born in a manger, is the same one that died for you on the cross, rose from the dead, is alive today, and loves you still today. And Romans 8 is going to show us some deep things about the love of Jesus for all of us. If you're able to, would you stand with me in honor of God's word as we read this together? Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 35. We're going to go to verse 39. Now, some of you may recognize this passage of scripture from a different translation, and that is fine. Uh, Today, I've chosen probably my second favorite Bible translation uh, the New Living Translation, New, New Living Translation, and uh, I want to read our text from that. So if you don't have that, 
translate it back to yours, and we'll all be on the same page, okay? You ready? Ready. Thanks, John. Anybody else? John and Mikola. Okay, great. Here we go. Starting in verse 35, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's talk about the wonders of his love. Jesus, I pray that your word would just come alive in us today. And Lord, if there is anybody in a place right now where maybe they've questioned the depth of your love, God, I ask you that today would be an amazing, anointed reminder that you love us with a love that does not end. So speak to us through your word, I ask you, Jesus, and we'll give you the thanks and the praise for what you do. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. 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 You may be seated. I'm going to have a lot of scriptures for you today. Don't apologize for that. I'm just telling you, prepare yourselves. Now, I've I've been uh, I've been around Jesus. When I say that, I've had a relationship with Jesus. I accepted Him as my Savior when I was a a, a child. I was nine years old. God delivered me from a life of stealing cookies and running with scissors, and He uh, and He and He said, "Thank you." Yes, that usually doesn't make the talk shows. Um, but no, God, God's been so faithful to me. So I've, I've served him since I was a child. And I've been blessed to serve in ministry now for a, a while, over 30 years. 21 here at the church, at this church. And um, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. I, 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 especially in this topic, I've seen a lot. Because if there has ever been kind of a, a, a misunderstood picture of Jesus, it tends to be in the area of his love for us. Because oftentimes we, we look at what happens around us, and then we think, oh, well, obviously God doesn't love me or he doesn't love me as much now because of this. Or he must love me a lot because I got my way today. <laughs> or, or I got a bonus at work. God loves me today. 
And, and, and God is, is not on again, off again, on again, off again. Now, some of our earthly relationships are on again, off again, on again, off again. One week we're Facebook official. Next week you're not Facebook official. One week, who's that guy? Next week, huh? Soulmate. The next week, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and so social media kind of messes this up a little bit. Um, maybe the way that we've been raised. Maybe, maybe somebody who was important to you, their, their, their love for you, their acceptance of you was based on your conduct. It might have been based on your performance. It might have been based on whether you were good or not. It might have been based on whether you achieved or not. It might have been based on whether uh, they could live their life through you or not. There's a therapy session. And I will tell you that we make a mistake in assuming that the same degree that we love each other is the same degree that God loves us. The love we have for one another cannot compare to the love that God has for us. I try. I tell you what, my relationship with God really got rocked when I became a dad. Some of you know what I'm talking about. When you become a parent, your, your idea of unconditional love, man, that, that just hits you. And, and then there's times where you want to say, I don't like you, but I still love you, right? Yeah? He's not in here right now. He's getting the chicken, so I could say that. But uh, he's probably listening. Uh, and, 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 and God, God's love, I can't even comprehend compared to the love I have for my family, the love I have for my church, for uh, But sometimes we let some things get into the way. And they taint our picture of God's love. And Paul, in the text that we just read from Romans 8, he uncovers a few of these. And maybe, maybe you might find yourself struggling with one of these, or maybe all of them. But today I want you to be reminded that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So l- let me identify a number of things that we, that we dangerously allow to, uh, to question the Lord's love for us. We dangerously allow these things to uh, kind of make a hit on our perspective. of. And why is this important? See, because if your picture of God is skewed, then it's going to mess you up in the rest of your life. It's going to mess up your spiritual life. It's going to mess up how you perceive God. It's going to mess up your praise. It's going to mess up how you function because constantly, if you have a skewed image of how God really feels about you, then the devil has won a battle in trying to get you to see a distorted picture of God. And we, we, we are not wired, we are not created to function that way. I don't know who this is for. That, my introduction was like one sentence long, so here I go. So let me jump into this, okay? Number one, here's the first thing that can get in the way, and that's our problems. <laughs> and Paul starts there. Uh, he, 
he identifies probably the biggest one. When, when difficulty and when crisis and when problems come our way, oftentimes we think, this is God's fault. God must not like me, love me, care about me. And Paul says otherwise in verse 35. Look again at verse 35. It's on the screen. It says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he ha- uh, that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Now, some of us, we would bullet point that list and say, well, that's exactly what it is. Why would God, I've heard this, why would God allow this to take place? Why would God allow this to happen to me? And that is the wrong response to our trials. And some of this is because of the culture that we currently live in. Because here in America, our idea of, of, of uh, problems is far different than believers in other parts of the world. Even other parts of our nation. But I've dealt with a large amount of people who have had this knee-jerk response any time difficulty or an issue arises. And here's the thing. If all it takes, if all it takes is for your car not to start, for you to question God's love, I promise you that's going to happen again and again and again and again until you get this right. Because the enemy knows what it takes for us to doubt God's love, and the enemy would like nothing more than for you to question the love of God in your life. So if all it takes is for the checking account to be low, if all it takes is for you to get sick, is, is there, if all it takes is for troubles to take place, and again, I am not minimizing, some of you hear me say this all the time, I'm not here to minimize your trouble. I'm not here to minimize your problems, but I am not here to maximize them either. And sometimes we give our problems too much power. Oh, man, that was good. Sometimes we give our problems too much power. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Well, things aren't going so well, but he still loves you. I'm uncomfortable. He still loves you. Why am I going through these trials then? Well, I'm so glad you asked that. First of all, I will tell you that Jesus actually uses our trials. He doesn't cause them, but he will use them. Jesus uses our trials. Look what James had to say about this. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I have never received a phone call at the office saying, Pastor, I just want to thank God. I am going through some trouble right now. (laughs) Would you spread the word that I am sick? Would you spread the word that things are going terrible at work? I thank God for that. No, we don't. We don't. And I'm not asking you to be weird 
okay? I was talking to somebody today. Being spiritual does not mean you're weird, okay? Amen? Amen. We're kind of an anti-weird church, at least, <laughs> at least most of us. And, 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 uh, <laughs> and, and, and so what, what's the saying? Okay, when a trial comes, okay, that means God's doing a work in me. He's using, he's using what the enemy wanted to use to destroy me. God is using that very thing to build me up. God is using that very thing to mature me. The enemy wants to destroy me. God will say, no, I'm going to use that same thing to build you up. Only God can do that. So God actually uses the trials that we have. And let me just say that if you're going through a trial, if you're going through a difficulty, if you're going through a problem right now, this is not the time to take a time out. This is not the time to take a time out. I coached basketball back in the day. When, when, when things would get out of hand, sometimes I would just say, time out, we need a break, sit on the bench, let's just stop everything, let's just get some water, let me yell at you, and, and let, let's... But sometimes people will say, oh, I'm going through stuff, so that's it. No, no Bible, no prayer, no church, no fellowship with people, no ministry, no nothing. Not until, it, we can't try to hold God for ransom. Not till my life gets better. Have I told you I've been around a little bit? I've seen this. Look what Peter had to say to a group of people who are facing a lot of problems and trials constantly. So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves uh, to their faithful creator. And look at that last phrase, and continue to do good. Continue to do good. Some of us have never gotten back. And, and, and I realize sometimes when you're wounded, you need to heal up. I get that. I get that. But I've met Christians that have been healed up for about 12 years. Okay. Let's get back into it now. Let's get active again. Use the gifts that God's given you. Walk with God. Read that word. Go to church. Worship God. Pray. Don't give up on God now. Not because you got uncomfortable. Not because things were bad. Not because things were difficult. This is a time that you need to continue with the Lord. So what do we often use to get in the way of our picture of God's love? To question it. Number one, problems. Number two, I've chosen this word, persecution. When we've been ridiculed for our faith in God. I want to remind you, first of all, whom Paul is writing to. He's writing to followers of Jesus who live in Rome. That didn't hit some people. Let me read what he said and then I'll elaborate on that. Again, verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, 
or in danger or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Christians in Rome, if you know your world history a little bit, you'll know that Christians were often thrown into the Colosseum with the lions. And I'm not talking about the Detroit lions. And the Christians would probably beat the Detroit lions. Uh, I'm kidding. If there's a Lions fan. (laughs) All right. Uh, In fact, Nero... Nero used to kill Christians and he would, he would place them in his garden and, and, and put wax on their heads and light them like candles as people came in. Okay, that's, that's persecution. Some, some, some followers of Jesus in Roman times would be required, they would have animal skins glued to them with blood and everything and just thrown into the wild for predators to hunt them down and kill them like they were an innocent animal. So that's probably why Paul said, what will separate you? Will will persecution separate you? Will being threatened separate you? Paul says, no, not even that. Not everybody in here faces a struggle to live out your faith. For some of you, it's pretty easy because of your surroundings, where you live, where you work. But others of us in here, it's very difficult some, there are some in here, you get mocked for your faith. Maybe in your own home, you get mocked for your faith. This weekend, uh, you might be dreading seeing family because there's going to be somebody mocking you for your faith in Jesus that they don't quite understand. Let me just be straight. We are going to face ridicule for our faith in Jesus. It's going to happen. I don't like that. You're not supposed to. But I will suggest this to you. If you're getting ridiculed for your faith, you're doing something right. Should I say that again? Can I encourage somebody in here? If you're getting ridiculed for your faith in Christ, again, I'm not asking you to be weird. But if you're getting ridiculed because you have a commitment to Jesus Christ, I think you're doing it right. You get mocked on social media. You get mocked at work. You get mocked at school. You get mocked around the dinner table this weekend. You're in good company. Look what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 20. He said, remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Nobody cross-stitches this verse on a pillow. Nobody has a painting with this hanging up on their wall. But it's true. 
So this has nothing to do with Jesus' love for you. If you are mocked for your faith, this has nothing to do with whether Jesus cares about you or loves you. In fact, I will tell you that he absolutely sees what you're feeling. He knows what you're going through. He felt it himself in a brutal way. It has nothing to do with his love. It may have everything to do with your passion for Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. How many of you are glad you came to church today? But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I will tell you, it's the mark of somebody who's living their faith out for Jesus Christ. The world may not understand it. And let me just pause here and just tell you, if somebody is mocking you for your, your faith, they are not the enemy. They don't get it. They don't get it. Just like you didn't get it before. They don't get it. You, you, okay, you're, you're, you're going to pray? You're not going to do anything else about this? Well, right now I'm going to pray. To who? I don't even see him. Can't see him. And, and you're reading this old book? Yeah. Uh, that's like hundreds of years old. Yeah. And it's still timeless. You're, you go to church. Wouldn't it be nice to sleep in? I got to be with the people of God. You see... The world's not going to get it. So if they mock you for it, don't make them the enemy. Don't, don't make them the enemy on Facebook, on social media. Can, can I just say this right now, okay? We, we, have, we have people in high positions in our country, okay, that don't get it. They don't get it. They question the word of God. They will mock those of us who go to church. They are not the enemy. The only enemy that we have is the devil himself. Those people need Jesus. Keep living it in front of them because I promise you, I've had people mock me. They know I'm a pastor. They know I can marry them and bury them, baby. They, they, they know I've got the whole thing going on, Okay. And so they test me sometimes. They being some people, they might be watching right now, and, 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 and they'll, they'll say stuff. And I'm like, all right. You know, I'm not, and trust me, I have the ability to get them back. God has graciously given me that gift that I can't use. So, so I use my powers for good. Um, so I, I, I have a decision to make. It's like, okay, okay, you want to go there? Then, I, then, then God says, crucify that, Phil. Crucify that. Because it's not about you, Phil. It's about them. So don't make them the enemy. You pray for them. You, even if they mock you, live it out. Love them. Drive them nuts with your love. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Others of you do. 
First Peter again says this, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you're insulted for your faith, you're a blessed man, you're a blessed woman. Amen? All right, I got to hurry because some of you smell the food and you're getting hungry. I take that in consideration with these sermons. Number three, Pastor, how many you got? Like 20, but uh, who said 20? That's incredible. All right, I need a different number. Number three, panic. Panic. Verse 38. Look at verse 38. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither, neither look what, Look at this next phrase. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Let me just stop there. Your fears about today and your worries about tomorrow do not have an effect on God's love for you. In fact, can I speak to those of us who maybe haven't been the most faith-filled people lately? Uh, this, this, <laughs> this pandemic has brought it out of many of us where uh, we, we, we don't always have the best response to the trouble. And we don't always have the best response to the future. So we wake up with a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety and a lot of worry. And, and we think, oh, I should be trusting God, so he's probably mad at me. And uh, Listen, Isaiah chapter 41, love this verse. So do not fear. For I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. If you're living in fear, if you're living in fear, then embrace the love of God because He loves you so much. Listen, well, this is the way I feel. Just because you feel a certain way does not mean that God is a certain way. Some of you missed that because you smell the chicken. <laughs> Just because, I got to think this through next potluck. Just because you feel, just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean that God is a certain way. I feel like he doesn't care. Well, that doesn't mean he doesn't care. I feel like he's mad at me. Oh, it doesn't matter how you, why? Because our feelings are all over the place. But consistency, unchanging, is the love of God. Amen. Never changes, never fails, never increases. Not based on whether I get it right or not. Whether it doesn't, not based on whether I'm strong or weak. Not based on whether I have faith or fear. Not based on whether I have trust or if I'm just stressed out. God's love for me is still the same. 1 John chapter 4, I want to encourage somebody with this verse. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one whose fears is not made perfect in love. There is no fear in love. There, God does not rule by trying to scare you to death. God does not rule your life by heaping anxiety on you. That's not how he does it. He loves you, friend. And there is no fear in the perfect love of Jesus. And nothing, nothing shall separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm going to conclude with this. 
If you're a guest today, that means absolutely nothing. <laughs> I'm kidding. I am going to close. Fourthly, powers. Boy, we've looked at a lot of earthly things, right? Our problems, how we respond to those problems, getting persecuted for our faith. But then Paul goes to a deeper level in these last two verses that we read. In verses 38 and 39, he says again, and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And look at the examples. Neither death nor life. Angels, demons, neither our fears today of today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us. This is Bible. Can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That tells me that God's love is supreme. There's nothing greater. The supremacy of God's love, that there's no angel that can touch God's love for me. There's no demon. Hell cannot touch it. Jesus said this in John 15, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Remain in my love. Some of us, we've, we've taken a step back because some of these things that we've mentioned today have caused us to doubt or question. And Jesus would say, no, come back. Remain in my love. Remain in my love. I'm going to close with this statement. There is nothing that Satan can do There is nothing that anyone else can do. There is nothing that you can do to separate you from God's love for you. Nothing. The wonders of his love. And that's why Paul could write in the middle of our opening text, These words in verse 37, he said, No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. The wonders of the love of God. I pray to God the next time you sing that Christmas carol and you hit that line, that your heart just races in knowing that there is nothing that could separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Will you bow your heads with me? Ralph, can you help me, please? Thank you. (laughs) You need victory today that comes from the love of God. It's not your charisma. It's not your willpower. You need God. You need Jesus. 
And he's here to remind you that he loves you with a love that is absolutely incomprehensible. And I wonder today, is there somebody here today, you, you would be honest with me, and I, and, and, and I will say that I will not embarrass you, but I want to pray for you today. But you'll say that, Pastor, I, uh, I, I'm not in a right place with God right now. I'm not serving him like I should, uh, and I know that I should. I, I, uh, I need to restart with the Lord. I need God to forgive me of my sins. I need to ask him to be my Lord, maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time. But I, I need to make a decision to serve God today. I want to experience the absolute incredible wonders of God's love in my life firsthand. Right now, I'm not in a good place with him, and I need to be. I need his forgiveness. If that is you, and again, we're not looking around. I'm not going to call you up or or anything like that. But I want to ask if that's you, I'd like to pray for you today. If that's you, could you slip your hand up and put it right back down? I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands are going up. Thank you. I'm not in the right place. Not in the right place. My second and final question will be this. You may be listening to this and, and you know that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, but 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 some of the stuff that we've kind of unpacked, they've they've kind of worked at skewing your view. Of the, of the love of God. You, you've questioned his love because of what you're facing or how you've been treated or how you're reacting to what's around you. And, and, and the Lord would remind you, friend, that his love for you is so real. And he does not want your picture of him to be skewed or messed up in any way. He wants to repaint the picture that you have painted in your mind's eye of the Lord. And today, if you need if you need that picture repainted today in your spiritual life today, I want to pray for you as well. And if that's you, could you also slip up your hand so I can pray for you? Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Many hands are going up. Many hands are going up. Can I invite all of you to stand as we get ready to transition to the rest of our day together and I'm going to pray a prayer I'm going to pray a very specific prayer and I'm going to ask everyone in here to repeat that prayer with me if you would then right after that I'm going to pray for all of us who might need kind of a fresh image of the love of God and that might mean that you might have to linger here a little bit before we fellowship. Will you do that? Just do that. And to those of you who raised your hand saying, I, I'm not in a good place with God, specifically, I want you to pray from your heart, not just from your mind, but from your heart, these words. Would you all pray with me? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, will you repeat that? Dear Jesus, thank you for your love that is greater than anything I can imagine. I ask you, forgive me of all my sin. Come into my life and help me to live for you every day. Separate my sin from me 
and help me to live for you every day. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you rose from the dead. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name. And now, Lord God, I'm asking you that you would be with every single individual under the sound of my voice. God, that you would touch those that maybe have had their picture of you skewed a little bit because of what they've been through and what they've gone through. And Lord God, you still love us, even though we haven't gotten it right sometimes. So now, Lord, I ask you that you would touch every person become real to them. Remind them, God, when the enemy tries to get them to to question your love, God, I ask you that you would remind them that you love them more than anything that they can imagine. So Jesus, we walk in your love. And God, this week, may we celebrate the wonders of your love for us. And we'll thank you. I pray now, Lord God, that you would bless our time of fellowship. God, bless the food, the hands that prepared it. Bless our fellowship and our time together. And Lord, I pray that you'd be at the center of every table, every conversation, every talk. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you want to linger here and pray, you can do that. If you're staying with us, please go on the other side of this wall. You can go right through that door. Serve yourselves. Let's have a great time together. God bless you. Merry Christmas. We love you.